Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sam's Report. It is the middle of February. Actually, February is a little bit half over now because there's, what, 28 days in this month, uh, which is great for me because artificially that makes spring feel a little bit closer, and uh, that always makes me happy. We are getting through <laughs> the dark days of winter, if you will. But um, kind of crazy week for me. I had a, a lot of personal travel this week, not of the good kind. And um, But, you know, back home, back with the family, all good stuff. Uh, one, other, one thing that um, somebody pointed out last week's show is that I needed what's called a pop filter. And I finally got off my lazy butt and bought one. That's what this thing is. This little black, I don't want to touch it because the microphone pick it up. Hopefully it will reduce what's called uh, the popping, which is kind of when you make a P sound and then it, the, the air leaves your mouth and hits the microphone and it uh, causes little spikes. It's not going to be perfect. And I, they sell larger round ones that are like yay big and they sit back a couple inches and they are more effective. The problem is, is that when you're doing a podcast like that, you have this big round thing like sitting right here and you, you miss like half your face. If you ever, anybody watched, uh, what was that? Home Improvement. I'd look like Mr. Wilson because you'd only see like the top of my face. And so I actually bought a couple of them because I have another Blue Yeti microphone on the mic back back there and put one on there and so hopefully that will help uh it's not going to make things perfect i did a little just playing around but um it, it should hopefully in theory reduce that from happening uh, a couple other things if you're going to build uh you can now register for that it's not cheap it's like 2500 bucks and that doesn't include hotel so that is now registration is now open and registration did not sell out if you remember the past couple years build had sold out extremely quickly and that's not happening this year. I don't know if that's related to it being at uh, same days as I.O., although I suspect that might be an issue. And people keep saying that. They're, they're two different development groups. Like, I.O. is like mobile apps and uh, Build is like enterprise stuff and Windows. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's here's the kind of un underlying component of conferences. If you've ever gone to a conference and you work in the work in the corporate world, conferences are kind of like a little mini vacation. People don't, you know, it's it's not really talked about, but... Yes, you're going to a conference to learn stuff, but at the same time, you're kind of blowing off work. And it, yes, you're going to go to sessions and you're going to learn stuff. I know that. But right now, basically, if you're wanting to go to I.O. or Build, you're choosing between Seattle or San Francisco. Uh, both great cities. Nothing wrong with Seattle. But um, I know a lot of people love San Francisco. And yes, Build from Microsoft's perspective and Google's kind of Android-y stuff, they don't overlap a ton, but they do overlap. They, they very much do. If you're building a mobile app, you know, you kind of go to I.O. And I.O. is probably a little bit more flashy and a little bit more fun, if I'm being completely candid, than Build, because Build is a little bit more, I don't want to say uptight, but it's a, it's a Windows thing. It's an enterprise thing versus Google's things. With, it's quite literally outside. And so um, I don't know if that has any impact. I still fully expect it to sell out eventually because, well, there's only 5,000 ish seats at least that's what it was last year I would imagine it's something around that but anyways I booked my travel uh, I'm flying in I'm gonna get there on Saturday I'm actually gonna take a red eye home Tuesday evening and I know Bill goes for many more days but from a press perspective everything typically happens Monday morning and then there's a little bit of a hangover coverage on Tuesday morning and then um yeah, fly back. And so if you're not familiar with the United States or whatever, flying from the, the West Coast, which is where Seattle is, to the East Coast, which is kind of where I am. I'm not fully on the East Coast, but I'm close enough. Uh, you lose an entire day. And so I tend to take red-eye homes in that way. Because um, if I left Wednesday morning, I could leave in the morning Seattle time and then get home around dinner time, uh, East Coast time. Because it's about a four-hour flight plus a three-hour time change. So you're looking at seven hours downtime. 
That is way too much information that absolutely nobody cares about. But there you go. So uh, definitely going for that. Um, some other things that are happening in the world of Microsoft this week. They are cutting 50 bucks off of a bunch of their Xbox bundles and tossing in PUBG and all sorts of stuff. PUBG is still a hot dumpster fire on the Xbox compared to the PC. It's getting better. Uh, it's still not great. Uh, they're, they're missing a lot of features. But I'm optimistic that it will eventually get there. But um, yeah, I, I don't it's it's taken a while and so uh yeah I, I still play PUBG like crazy on the pc if anybody else does i will be happy to add you to steam and we can play together at some point um i'm mostly terrible but whatever you know that's going on uh, other things in the xbox world xbox party chat is now available on android and ios this is kind of interesting if you want to chat and party chat exactly as the name suggests you can now do it on your mobile device which is kind of cool so yeah Da, 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 da. Also, uh, this was happened while I was traveling. It, you know, I, I'm going to take it a quick step aside here. I was only gone for, I was basically offline for roughly three days. Um, I had to travel for to a funeral, and uh, <laughs> it's amazing how much you miss in three days. Like, I, I totally get why people who don't do this for a living, which not many people do, are just totally lost in trying to keep up with everything that happens in the Microsoft world because it is astounding how much crap comes out in th just three days, let alone people who may not catch up for weeks at a time or even months at a time. But uh, this week, Microsoft is launching their first Redstone 5 build. Uh, they're also going back to that skip-ahead program that they had, which basically allows you to jump into Redstone 5 builds but while still getting Redstone 4 stuff. Uh, I, I still don't fully understand why they have this and it's a limited group and they it's it's like they wanted to add this feature but it doesn't really make sense I'm still more of the bucket that hey they need to hammer the hell out of Redstone 4 um, before shipping it but you know what here we are and kumbaya uh, basically what this means and this is uh, actually shocking to 0.0% of the people listening to this podcast Redstone 4 is damn near done they're still adding little bits and pieces here and there, but they are hardening the code. They've had bug bashes. They are trying to get this stuff ready to ship because um, it's supposed to go out next month. And so they've got two-ish weeks, and maybe that's why they're opening up RS5 builds. It's because they already say, hey, look, here's the bugs that we're going to smash before it launches. And we've got our roadmap complete. And then, of course, there's almost always a day one patch. Almost always. And so, yeah, there we go. Speaking of day one patches, why the hell did this screensaver turn on? If you're watching before the show, uh, there's a certain very nice Surface Studio behind me, and I always have a nice, um, slow, kind of flying uh, screensaver. It's actually the Apple TV screensaver, which is very nice. It works very well because there's not a lot of movement dynamic aspects to it. Didn't turn on. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I did absolutely nothing but run an update, and so now the screensaver won't turn on on that computer, and I, I don't really care to fix it right now. That's awesome. Great job. But whatever. Uh, so this is technically the first build of Redstone 5. And you can go install it now if you're in that skip ahead branch. You're not getting a whole lot. I personally don't run, I don't even run insider builds on this particular machine because I need it nice and stable. And I don't want to deal with driver incompatibilities and all the other garbage that can come uh, with running insider builds. It, it, they're fine to do, but I still don't recommend it on um, your daily driver. But just keep in mind here that as we approach the finish line, they're going to start chunking out a bunch of builds like they always do. Several several per week, potentially, where they push out a candidate, then they all vote on it, and then they say, this is the one we're shipping. And then that's becoming uh, the official Redstone 4 build. So uh, there you go. If you if you really want to dig into that stuff, you can. But I don't think there's... There's not going to be anything brand new in Redstone 5 for a little bit of time. Unless it's a feature that didn't ship in Redstone 4, like Cloud Clipboard that didn't... Where is it? 
Clock clipboard's like the one thing I really want because it's such a useful thing. I, I've complained and harked on this. It's such a useful thing. Right mouse click on your computer, get it on your phone. Who doesn't want that? Apparently Microsoft. Apparently, maybe it's because they're having other issues with copy and paste that they can't ship. I, I have no idea. No idea what's going on there. Uh, other things that happened in this world is in the world of Microsoft this week. Microsoft uh, acquire hires, they call it uh, chalk up, which is basically it's an educational use kind of thing for Microsoft Teams. If you're not familiar with Teams, that's Microsoft's Slack competitor, and uh, I'm actually using Teams now for work, and so I'll be able to talk much more in depth about that. But uh, yeah, so this is coming. This is makes sense. Microsoft trying desperately to get really hard and grow its, its base back in the education segment. They're getting concerned about Chromebooks, especially, or I should say specifically in the United States, because obviously if kids are growing up on Chromebooks, when they go to work, they're going to know want to know Chromebooks, although Chromebooks and work don't really work too well together. But again, it's a it's a growing threat to Microsoft, which is why they're trying to bolster up their capabilities in that segment to make sure that those companies or those schools are going to eventually switch back to Microsoft and Windows. Uh, we will see if this works, and I can't fault them for going all in on something like this. So this is a good this is a good acquisition. Education is a very big focus for Microsoft because essentially, at least here in the U.S., that's a potential segment for growth again, which is not something Microsoft like. Micro, there's no real for the consumer desktop. There isn't a whole lot of growth. Yes, Mac OS devices sell, but again, that's a couple million per quarter. Um, Chromebooks, yes, that's another threat where they can grow potentially, but they've got still got like 90% of the desktop market share. That's 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 enough. And so they're really focusing on the education segment. While there's not a ton of revenue there, there is definitely potential there. Uh, are there good things happening to the Microsoft Store this week? Amazon Music is now in the Microsoft Store. That's actually awesome. This one kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think it was really known all that well. But uh, here we are. Amazon Music now in the Microsoft Store. This is just one more app. I know it's not it's not like some hero application or whatever. But this is one more high-quality app that is in the store that users can now find. And it's just one more thing driving people towards that store and more people, more eyeballs going to the store means more developer opportunities, which means better things for Microsoft and the long term. And so that, that's actually really good. I'm excited about that. I, I need to try it out. I, I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. And now that um, Prime Music is uh, now available through that, um, I, I don't I can't see myself canceling Spotify, but maybe I don't know. I pay 10 bucks a month for it. Maybe maybe I could. And um, we will we will go from there. Uh, but that kind of raises the other question is where the hell is iTunes? That was supposed to ship uh, by 12.31. And here we are on 2.16 and we don't have it yet. And my Amazon device back here, un unnamed, um, still doesn't have any... I don't want to say because it'll kick off too many things. Still doesn't have any interaction with Cortana, which it was supposed to have by 12.31. And so it's... You know, what, what's... Just, I don't know. I'm just waiting for this stuff. Not that I'm like, I even have iTunes. I don't think I do have iTunes on this computer. I hope I don't. Um, but that's it. That's another hallmark. That's cut. If I, if you want to put a hero application, on um, what the windows store needs, iTunes is a big one. Uh, the other one's Chrome and I don't see Chrome happening, but, uh, yeah. So we got that. We got that going on. We got that going on. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I keep going back to where the hell's iTunes, but yeah, uh, here's this is one's kind of out of left field, but we'll see what we'll see where this goes. And this makes me nervous just because I work in the publishing space and I work uh, a lot with SEO stuff. Um, so Google is introducing a Snapchat like Stories feature to search, 
which is, I, I think they're not, somebody's going to say it's not proprietary, but it kind of is. Um, it's along their amp line where you can create high engaging content to create like stories like Snapchat, because why not just copy everything Snapchat does? Why don't we have disappearing search results? Um, but I, I don't, I don't understand why this is a thing, but you know, it's coming in. A, I worry about the fragmentation of the open web primarily because the more control Google has, the worse off, uh, I shouldn't say the worse off it is for someone like myself, but it's more specifically that we have to play to that game, uh, like with AMP, because you can imagine the scenario where if you're highly dependent on Google traffic and you're not supporting AMP, Google's mobile accelerated mobile pages, Google's not going to favor you as much, and then you're not going to get as much traffic, so you kind of have to play that game. Anyways, uh, other things happening in the Google world, it, and this one is very dicey. So they're introducing a native ad blocker into Chrome, and it's, it's supposedly based off of a coalition of advertisers who get to control like what Chrome is kind of blocking here, but th that's a bunch of crap. Now, granted, I, I believe what Google is doing trying to do has merit, right? Uh, crappy publishers have ruined the internet with bad ads, right? Auto playing video and sound on and ads that take over your whole screen and you, and you can't shut them down. I, I fully agree that there is a space for this. What's dicey about it is how the coalition or the group uh, the board, if you will, that's deciding this stuff is primarily led by Google and you have to pay a hundred thousand bucks to be a, a board member. Um, there's other weird things that are not being blocked. So autoplaying video is supposedly being blocked on sites, unless you're Facebook, because Facebook's sitting on that board and they're saying, hey, you know what? Don't block autoplaying video on our site. Uh, just block them on the other guys. And so it, it's, it, it's a very dicey situation. Um, yeah, and, and it makes me nervous again, because Google for as good and as bad as they can be, this is something that impacts my career and something we just have to kind of deal with because advertising to some extent pays the bills, but not all the extent. It's a rapidly changing world. Um, and as Google introduces more hurdles and that kind of stuff, you know, publishers are going to suffer. And so at some point here, Google will finally go too far and everyone's wondering if them having a native ad blocker is it partially because Guess what ads are not being blocked? AdSense ads. Now, granted, there's some verification. You can't put a crappy ad through AdSense and that kind of stuff. But Google's not blocking their own ads. You can see the conflict of interest here. And I fully expect the EU is probably perking its ears up uh, at the fact that Google is kind of self-serving in this nature. And the, Google ha and the EU has no problem dishing up fines. I don't know. The, the story is still unfolding. And we'll see. Maybe Google has it right. I, I don't want to completely write them off and saying that they're just screwing over everybody and they're, they're asserting too much control, but it's just something that, you know, you got to be aware of. Uh, speaking of aware of, Microsoft's throwing a bone back to Windows 7 users, and this one actually, to be honest, makes complete sense. So the, what they're doing is allowing Windows 7 in the enterprise space. If you're running Windows 7, you can now install Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection, the endpoint. So you still need Windows 10 to be able to kind of control and get that single point of view. Uh, but the, the idea here, and I, I fully agree with this, is that if you're in a large enterprise, let's just make up a number, 50,000 PCs, and you're going to migrate to Windows 10, you will get, you will absolutely be in a position where you have some machines running Windows 10 and some machines running Windows 7. And those machines running Windows 10 are going to have advanced uh, Defender, Advanced Threat Protection, all that stuff uh, that comes with Windows 10. But those Windows 7 machines don't, which puts you in this awkward position of having to maintain two environments or two different operating systems with two different uh, security profiles. And so what Microsoft is allowing you to do is extend that Windows 10 security profile through Advanced Threat Protection to Windows 7 while you're in the process of migrating. Now, 
Windows 7 is still going to come to end of life at the uh, at 20 in the year 2020. And people are saying, wow, my, maybe Microsoft is going to extend the life cycle of Windows 7. I, I suspect they will in some capacity, maybe behind the scenes privately to large enterprises, uh, hospitals and governments that can't move. But I don't actually think that th this is uh, extending that life cycle. This is more of helping those people who are in migration process make sure that they're fully protected with that stuff. So it's kind of interesting. It also works with Windows 8.1, but I the number of people running Windows 8.1 is a, a fraction of that of Windows 7. I'm, Windows 10 has already surpassed it, and so there you go. Uh, Surface Pro turning uh, five years old, I believe, and they're knocking 200 bucks off that price point. It's kind of conveniently timed because Surface Pro is getting into the later stages of its life, and so they're knocking some price off to help move that stuff. Other things that Microsoft uh, kicked out this week. So this one's kind of interesting, but kind of not, and I'll explain why. So Microsoft now has a way for you, if you're using the Photos app, to transfer photos directly to your PC from your phone. It's great. Actually, to be honest, it's pretty cool. And you use, I believe, Wi-Fi Direct, I think is how it actually works. And so you can now transfer your photos to your PC and like that. Um, what I would really love is actually a Microsoft Photos app on my phone, much like Google Photos, that automatically does all this stuff in the background. And so that's what I'm, I'm hoping that they're moving towards. But this is a way that, let's say you're on a school PC or something like that, where you're not logged into your Microsoft account, you're just using a guest account or whatever it is, not your traditional MSA account. You can now shove those photos from your phone to your PC uh, just like that without internet connectivity at that specific spot. It's a neat feature. I don't think it's going to be I mean, it's not going to like change the game and make Windows 10 some um, beast of an OS. It's just a nice little thing if you're in that world. I still hope, like I said, that they're building out a true uh, Google Photos competitor because me personally, that's the easiest and fastest way to get photos from my phone to a web browser, um, which we have on all our machines. It makes makes life a little bit easier. So, uh, and yes, I know you can do this with OneDrive, but it's not it's not as straightforward as Google Photos. And Google Photos, to be honest, is, it, it offers a better search uh, experience than what Microsoft currently does with OneDrive, mostly because I don't think OneDrive is optimized for photos in that capacity. So uh, don't get me wrong, big fan of OneDrive. That's what I use to back up all my stuff, and that's how I move about all these PCs is uh, all my content, uh, such as documents and videos and all that stuff, sits in OneDrive. So there you go. Uh, the other big thing that Microsoft announced this week. So if you're a BizSpark user, um, you're not anymore. Well, Microsoft is killing off BizSpark, uh, which was used to sort of um, cultivate what they hoped was startups and young companies into the Microsoft world, giving them Azure credits, giving them Windows, giving them Office, giving them licenses. And so they're, they're scrapping that program. But they're coming back with a $500 million investment portfolio opportunity, uh, which allows you to help leverage Microsoft salespeople, um, obviously leverage all of their Azure and all that good stuff. And the idea here is that if you're an enterprise company and you're building on this stuff, you can actually have Microsoft help sell your product, it, This is, which is actually, to be honest, more important than anything else, because you can build the best product in the world, but if you don't have a sales team, you're, you're basically kind of up the creek without a paddle. Uh, yes, you know, they always say, if you build it, they will come. I don't fully believe that you, you got to build it really great. And then you got to get one person to come, uh, and then talk about it. And so now having access to Microsoft sale, salespeople and that kind of sales and channel pipeline, that will be huge for those startups that can't get into a company. Like, like if you're a fresh company going up to Xerox or, or somebody else, um, like Ford or GM to pitch your enterprise product, it's tough. But if you have Microsoft on your back saying, hey, look, this is actually pretty good, uh, and they're running on our stack, so we know it's really good, 
that helps immensely, immensely. So they're dumping $500 million into this program. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that this is the right approach. BizSpark served its purpose, purpose, but I don't think it was doing enough for Microsoft, which is why they're revamping it. Um, actually, we know that for a fact. If, this, if BizSpark was doing absolute wonders for them, they wouldn't have you know overhauled the program. But here we are. And so uh, it's actually pretty cool. You know, good job, Microsoft. Um, one other thing, this kind of ties back to the Amazon app stuff. Some people wrote me last week after I talked about PWAs being the future that I hated, uh, <laughs> that I hate UWPs. It's, that is absolutely could not be further from the truth. Um, UWPs are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. I just don't think that they make the most sense anymore um, going forward. And so anything that goes ends up in the store is what I'm happy about because the, the biggest the biggest benefit to the store, uh, other than uh, like excluding everything else from every other aspect is that crap updates in the background you don't and the nicest thing about spotify spotify was updating like every week it's really freaking annoying and as soon as they got into the store i can't even remember the last time i saw spotify update it's great that is what i love about the store that's why i want everything into the store and so there you go uh i love the store the, you know i want i want microsoft store to be massive because not only do you get better security not only do you get seamless updates it makes things finding things just a hell of a lot easier uh, makes uninstalling things that you don't like a hell of a lot easier like the store is great i i want the store to be immensely successful no matter and i don't i don't care how microsoft gets there uh, if it's pwas if it's uwps if it's these bridges although the bridges don't offer the best experience um in some instances but the store is what I want to succeed more than anything else, more than even Windows, to be honest, because the store, especially as I get to PWAs and a little bit with UWPs, is it can be mobilized, if you will. And so, uh, yeah, let's dive into the questions this week because there are a bunch and they are my favorite part of the, the favorite part of my week, to be honest, is interacting with people. Um, so Johnny, actually, hold on, before I even do that, I need to refresh the page because there's always some that come in late, as is tradition. Uh, come on, come on, come on. There we go. All right, cool. Good thing I did that because a couple came in. Johnny777 says, any idea why those of us with Microsoft accounts that use at Yahoo email addresses can no longer sign into Android's Outlook web app, uh, no longer have access to our family calendars and Android devices due to this, have had this account as my Microsoft account for years, being given the runaround as usual from Microsoft support. I'll be curious to see what Microsoft support is saying. Actually, my recommendation would be to post in the uh, Microsoft answer forms, I believe is the proper name for them. The reason why I say that is that you can then get other people to pile on who have that uh, issue. I personally do not use a, an at Yahoo. I have um, an at outlook.com email address. So I, I don't have a lot of great advice for you. But actually, the, the best advice I can offer is to post in that form because here's what happens. If you post and then somebody else says, hey, I have an at Yahoo account and it's working just fine, then you at least know it's something on your end. But if then 600 other people come and say, hey, yeah, this is not working, you're more than likely going to get a response from Microsoft or they're going to provide help in some capacity. But I don't have a specific answer and I don't recall hearing that Microsoft is cutting off Yahoo because that would be very big news because Yahoo is used by quite a few people. Um, oh geez, Asfad2, actually he just mashed his keyboard, and says, I'm looking to buy a new PC, uh, and I'm looking at a cheaper version of Surface Book 2, the i5 with 8 gigs of RAM, or a Surface Pro 5, well the Pro 5 isn't out yet, unless you mean the new Pro, I need for drawing and note taking and office apps, some usage of Visual Studio, what would you recommend? So here's, here's the thing, here's the thing you need to figure out, 
is how much are you going to be using pen? Because if you're going to be using pen a whole bunch, um, I think the Surface Pro is probably a better option. The, the entry-level Surface Book 2, the problem I have with it is that it's a core i5, which means that it's going to be dual core, I believe. Uh, it's not going to have the dedicated graphics. So it's not like you're getting some graphical performance boost here of any meaningful significance. Um, it, it, but at the same time, and you're probably going for the 13-inch. It's tough because you could look at HP's. HP makes wonderful machines. Uh, their Spectre is great. But if you are truly set on inking support, I I would probably go with the Pro. I really like the Pro uh, and its keyboard. I know the, the type cover isn't loved by everybody, but I think it's pretty damn good. It gives a nice sleek form factor. It's The Book 2 can be a little big because of that teardrop shaped. I'm just trying to think if you're lugging this thing around through school, um, the Pro the surface pro might be a better option personally uh i i it's going to come down to specs it all, almost always comes down to specs because you're going to get on the pro you're going to get a good typing experience you're not going to get the best surface book has a better typing experience but you're going to get a better pen experience the reason why i say that is uh, detaching that tablet portion of the surface book too is fine but it's a little cumbersome and then you have to deal with like the, the the base, like where the hell do you put that? And if you're, I'm just trying to think that if you're sitting in a classroom, um, you're going to probably enjoy the smaller footprint of a of a Surface Pro than a Surface Book Two. Um, with that being said, if I were going back to school and I was going to be sitting in lectures, I'm um, trying to think of what my graduate school had, I would probably end up with a Surface Pro personally. Uh, Surface Book Two is great, don't get me wrong, but to get the true value out of Surface Book Two, you're going to spend at least two grand. Um, I wouldn't count out the Surface Laptop. If you don't, if you don't need a ton of a pen usage, and really think about that pen usage, because if you're thinking you're going to sit there and write notes versus type notes, just keep that in mind that the Surface Laptop is also a great choice in that uh, area, and you're going to get a better typing experience, but worse pen input experience. So just kind of keep that in mind. I, I wouldn't fully rule out the Surface Laptop. Just just keep in mind what your true use case is going to be. Uh, oh jeez. Uh, Lynn Hartston, I, I recognize you from Twitter. Uh, he says, what do you think the chances are Microsoft does anything meaningful with Groove Music on iOS and Android? I would I would put that pretty low. Uh, reason being here is there's no longer a path to monetization for that. Maybe you could argue that potentially OneDrive might be a path to monetization, but there's no music service. Um, I would not expect anything major uh, coming from that anytime soon or anything in the near future. Uh, a Kubert... A Kubert uh, says, I use iMessage on my iPhone for text messages. I'm thinking about sticking my toe into the Skype waters. Is there a way I can use Skype on my Windows 10 work computer to send text messages and have Skype sync those messages to my iPhone's text messages? Nope. It, it, can't, be, it can't be done. And that's not Microsoft's fault. That is Apple's walled garden. Um, it, there's, there's, it just doesn't work. You, Microsoft, or Apple does not allow for that type of an API access. I wish they would, but they don't. And so until they bring iMessage to the PC, you're kind of out of luck, unfortunately. Uh, Daily Isaac says, do you know why Outlook Premium doesn't come with Office 365 University, but does come with Office 365 Home and uh, 365 Personal? So here's my guess. I don't know specifically why Microsoft excluded that from the university, but Home and Personal are non-enterprise, non-corporate iterations of Office 365. They're designed for the consumer. Office 365 University, yes, I know it's for students, but it's still more of a corporate thing. 
than say personal or home. And I suspect that when they looked at premium dot, uh, the Outlook premium, they said, hey, that's a personal thing. And so they attached it to the personal or consumer iterations of Office 365 and not the kind of corporate and enterprise world. CP writes, says, how come Microsoft doesn't insist on a password for the user which has full admin rights created when installing Windows 10? Uh, I think it's just an option. I don't think they, I haven't ever tried to not create a password. Uh, obviously, since you're writing in, that's a possibility. Why they don't, don't demand that? It's it's a user option. If you don't want to put a password on it, you don't have to. Um, it's foolish not to, and I definitely think you should. I mean, it's terrible practice to not have that, but uh why they don't require it it's i just don't think that they feel that they have to force that upon somebody because i could see people getting upset saying hey i just don't want a password on this machine blah 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 it's not a good practice in any capacity where did my mouse go uh, but there we are uh tim tm day 001 says with business and enterprise customers trying to figure out the whole windows as a service model it seems to have uh, no advocate to help us make sense of this constant upgrade cycle. Many of us have to rely on back and support upgrades just to be able to move to the next build of Windows 10. Yep, yep, yep. This, uh, <laughs> he's, he's got a lengthy comment here that what's worth reading. He says he loves that this gives me job security. Uh, Microsoft has already had to change their Windows support lifecycle. This is absolutely true. They're adding six months onto just about every version and just allow some organizations to stay compliant. He says, have you or any of your resources mentioned the proposed plan for those in the enterprise uh, to only go to once per year, I believe. Uh, so I I believe that's he's, he's referring to once per year. Um, I've very specifically told Microsoft they are kind of hellbent that on two updates per year is great. And so that's kind of what the current administration believes and they're, they're stuck in their ways. And I, the thing is, I don't think they want to go to one uh, one upgrade per year because they're going to be like, hey, uh, that's kind of backtracking and maybe we're not as nimble and agile as we could be. But uh, because like realistically, guys, what is in Redstone 4 that is worth shipping a major new update for? Not a lot. Um, if you're going to call me up and say, hey, timeline, timeline, like guys, timeline is only good if third party applications take advantage of it that's the that's the brutal honest truth have any applications taken advantage of advantage of my people no um i don't see timeline being a like companies lusting over timeline inclusion microsoft is still dealing with just getting apps into its store and i can't see people just building an app just so they can be included in timeline i'm not saying it's not going to happen and they have to ship it at some point but i don't think timeline is like this massively um great feature and then there's a bunch of fluent stuff and there's just minor changes but it, coming back to, is it worth shipping a build for? I don't know. I don't, I personally don't think that it is, but to his point, um, is Microsoft ever going to kind of basically listen to the enterprise customers? They already are. They're already starting to backtrack a little bit by extending support cycle six months. And I don't think that this is going to be the first or last time, uh, that we see this. So, uh, I keep telling them to go to one update per year for enterprise customers, support it for at least two years and be done with it. Um, I know people really want three years. I don't see Microsoft going to support for three years because even though that aligns perfectly to hardware refresh, Microsoft doesn't want to be on that model anymore. Uh, right now, the interesting thing that's going on inside of Microsoft, a lot of that's causing a lot of headaches is just their own internal support, right? They have to support 1607 now and 1703 and 1709 and then 1803. Are they going to do that for six months? And they've got this very nasty web of sort of overlapping 
licensing and support cycles for all these different versions of Windows, and it's creating some freaking headaches, that's for damn sure. Uh, Peter K says, why is Microsoft focusing to release multi-screen uh, Andromeda device? Why could they wait a few months and build a device with flexible screen like Samsung's will do later this year or next year? Nobody wants to watch a movie on a device that's multi-screen. Um, so I think is what he's talking about. So Andromeda device, which we're seeing more of, is going to have like pivot screens like that. And then Samsung's going to have some sort of flexible thing coming up. And so I, I think this has more to do with Microsoft needs a hero sort of like folio type device. They need something, I'm guessing, with ARM. I think the story kind of writes itself. They need an ARM Surface Hero device, and that's the route that they're going, and they need to kind of get into that space, or at least say that they have something. They have, they offer something. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this device comes out. Um, I've already heard that their expectations are low for sales volume. It's going to be probably at least a 1000 bucks. Uh, but we'll, we will see what this device actually looks like. Um, and why wouldn't they just do what Samsung is doing? Well, Microsoft has always kind of marched to their own drum. I mean, look at this device back here. Although this thing didn't sell in very high volume either, and it still doesn't have the screensaver running for God only knows why. Um, but I think that they're, they feel the pressure that they need to have something. And so why wouldn't they just wait? Because if they're waiting for that, then they're always going to be waiting for something. It's like, okay, so they're waiting for a flexible screen. Why aren't they waiting for 5G? Um, and then it's like, why aren't they waiting for the next iteration of USB Type-C? Um, you're always waiting for something. That's why when people say, hey, what should I buy? Buy what you need today. Because if you're waiting for that next device, like if you could be like, oh yeah, wait for the next Surface Pro. We don't actually know when that's coming. Um, you could be waiting a long time. The fact that it has, like, just if you need something today, buy it today. And don't buy for what you have, not for what's coming, because you always have buyer's remorse in that regard. So there you go. Uh, Waffle asks, I think it's Wolfel. I can never pronounce his name right. Uh, Dear Mr. Cloud Clipboard, which is what kind of a joke that was running from Twitter that call, Paul called me the patron saint of Cloud Clipboard because it's the one thing I really want. Uh, it's coming out with Redstone 5, right? I hope so. I hope it's coming to Redstone 5. And then he asks, is there any rumblings of that streaming stick? Nope. Um, I, I'm not expecting that uh, in the near future. Um, actually, yeah. The only way that streaming stick would make sense is if when Microsoft gets into game streaming from the cloud, which I fully believe they will do one day, you could see how they could offer, let's say, a $79 Xbox stick. And then you have to tack on the $9.99 a month Game Pass. But then that allows you to stream games from the cloud to your TV or whatever. And you use the controller, which connects in. I think that narrative actually makes a lot of sense. But until we start seeing Microsoft uh, getting into the game streaming market, we're not going to see a streaming stick because that's the true advantage of that stick. Uh, and then Poncelius asks, he says, if the new Surface Andromeda is released and there are no apps in the ecosystem and no apps ecosystem in the windows mobile space is its success tied to pwas coming to the store i think a lot of its success does rely on pwas coming to the store um it, i I, re, I fully fully believe that and i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's how microsoft is eventually going to start use its muscle to push pwas we have look it supports all our devices um we already know google is going to be pushing pwas and we all know that apple i believe is going to go there eventually as well but if microsoft and google can start pushing that that it's going to shift the market, especially when Google starts pushing it with Chrome. And so that's why I, I am, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm really interested to see what IO has not build so much. We already, and I'm not saying I'm not interested in build, but 
I already know Microsoft's PWA narrative. We don't fully know Google's yet. Uh, they've already started to play in the waters with a little bit of Android support, and I'm hoping that they're going to start pushing more and more into that space, but only time will tell, and IO will kind of give us, hopefully, a look at what's the, the you know, for the year ahead for Google. And so, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, man. It's been a crazy week, guys. I'm exhausted. Uh, 12 hours in the car in the past... 100 hours or so. Um, kind of takes a lot out of you. This thing back here, I almost pointed I This review will go up next week. I have yet to play with it. Um, this is a Amazon Echo-enabled kind of smart speaker thing. I know I've talked about it five times. It has just never moved. You can't see the power cord because this camera has bad um, <laughs> low light. You can see this desk is black, but it's actually a very nice, like, rich brown wood thing. Actually, these are old railroad ties, I believe. I think. Pretty sure they are that are cut in half and whatever um so yeah so that that review will be coming hopefully next week i haven't even plugged it in yet but um yeah so that about does it for this week guys uh as always i appreciate everybody tuning in and always the questions that's my favorite part of the week and uh have yourselves a wonderful weekend and i'll be right back here next time on the sam's report catch you later